Welcome to Almost Focused. I'm Nathaniel. I'm Matt. It's a podcast about gaming and games that we like to play. And games that we don't like to play. Uh, we'll be talking about a topic, sort of. We'll probably go off topic quite a bit here. Assured. Um, so today's topic is roguelikes. Uh, as usual, we'll start out talking, as usual, per our one episode. We'll hey talk man, to- this is a pattern. It's right. a pattern. We're established. Let's do. Uh, so we'll talk about what we're playing. Nathaniel, what are you playing? Uh, let's see. I'm playing a lot of Bastion this week. Mm. Um, I went back in time because I love that game. And uh, it has lived up. It has aged exceptionally well. Um, it came out, what, 2011? Uh, and it's fantastic. Uh, much better than Transistor. Cough. <clears throat> we'll have to talk about Transistor sometime. Yeah, we'll do, a, we'll do a session maybe on games that should have been better. I really uh, want to like, like it. I do, too. I just... It, it plays so ploddingly. But back to what I'm actually playing... Um, Let's see. Other than Bastion, still a little bit of Binding of Isaac, though not as much. I keep trying and failing to get into back into Dragon Age Inquisition. Really? You, why aren't you getting back into it? Is it I just, just it's got I don't know too like heavy? it's it's yeah heavy I guess is a good term. There's stuff like the way the uh, the war room works. You have to zone back an entire instance and then run to do these essentially like companion app quests i mean it should have been a companion app or mm. like a, a ui plop down in the game mm. and it eats up a ton of time and i don't know are they optional y- yeah sort of it's how you unlock new areas too oh. but it's just i don't know i that coupled with some other stuff it's just made it very hard for me to get back into after i lost that like initial new game glow well yeah and if you're playing bastion and binding of isaac it's just like start a new game immediately start actioning yeah having fun right um and then the other one obviously uh risk of rain and then in Mm -hmm. prep for today i went back and played a whole crap load of uh various roguelikes yeah nathaniel and i've been playing risk of rain often together and but not often being once that was that was probably one of the longest sessions I've had this week. Yeah, um, it was a solid, uh, solid game session. But we haven't been able to talk about it, so we're very excited. To yeah. Talk about oh it. man, I'm I'm giddy, I'm uh, bursting. I've, so I kind of went on a game buying rampage this weekend. Uh, I haven't played any of the games I bought except for Risk of Rain. <laughs> what else did you buy? I bought Planescape Torment. Oh yeah, you mentioned. And that. I have no mouth and I must scream. Both were on sale on GOG. Planescape. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned this last time, but is one of my top five games of all time. Um, yeah, it's, I it's, love Planescape. Uh, if we talk about RPGs, oh. at, at, at any point in the conversation, Nathaniel will bring up. Oh man, Planescape I'm just Torment. gonna. If we ever do any RPG talk, all I'll do is just skeet fucking Planescape Torment everywhere. <laughs> um, so I've been playing Risk of Rain, which I love. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Destiny, um, or a lot for me, which I usually play about once a week. This the weekend. expansion dropped, right? The expansion dropped. Uh, you know, I have I have feelings about it. Um, such feels, oh, such feels. But a lot of those feels are kind of neutral. Yeah. This, the new story. If I had paid for it, I might be annoyed. But mm-hmm. someone you, gave it to me for yeah. my birthday, so it's kind of like, hey, some new free stuff for my game. It seems like, from what I've heard, it's something where if you were if you were good with Destiny and you know we're we're still jamming on it, this expansion's just more of the same, basically. Yeah, and they. You know, I was wondering what they were going to do for the gun unlocks, and I unlocked a, I unlocked a new gun that is a, a fusion rifle where you can switch the element. 
and it's a lot of fun. And it's it, cool. It's a, it's a thing in the game where the elements matter a lot when you're fighting mm-hmm. certain yeah, enemy yeah, types. Yeah. They have shields that are weak. That's actually, that was one of my major complaints about about Destiny once it hit the harder levels, is that you were kind of stuck to the weapons you had equipped, you know? And if the the fil- the element, like you were talking about, that you had wasn't the right one, you were kind of like, well, I can pause and pray to God I don't get killed. Yeah, and you end up having to carry around a little bit of a... An armory with yeah, you. Yeah, so a bunch of you, extra crap. Um, but yeah, I mean, the new missions, they're all fairly short, um, but they're fun boss fights, and I like fun boss fights. Um, the new strikes are actually what's really fun. I did I did both of those a couple of times. Um, but, I mean, overall, it's, it's DLC for a game that's kind of meh anyway. Yeah, it's, like I said, more of the same. And Yeah, I mean, <clears> it's, I, I would highly recommend Destiny if you have five or six friends who are currently playing destiny yeah That's who like, all already have it in yeah. which case great jump in there it's, it's have a, a great, good time it's a great time then yeah it's it's definitely if you have a like a online community that you've already established on one of the consoles it's definitely uh i think a good game for that but otherwise sort of a um and then i've been getting really good at daddy long legs on the on the iphone it's. Uh, I mentioned it last week. It's, yeah, I'm trying to remember what that one it's was. It's a single button quap like. Oh yeah, game. yeah, single uh, button quap. Speaking of of quap like games, uh, I have you seen I Am Bread? That's one that the I YouTubers are abusing I, a lot right now. I thought about buying it. Oh yeah. It yeah. seemed like one of those like everyone's talking about indie games. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, what the disdainful term is PewDiePie bait, right? Like. PewDiePie bait. Oh, you know, oh, oh, you know, oh. PewDiePie, right? Like. I'm aware of him. I ju- oh. actually just learned about him last week. And, ah, okay. Okay. Uh, at our office, this guy was like, "Hey, do you watch PewDiePie?" I'm like, "I don't. I don't know who that is." What? <laughs> yeah, I I've seen a few of his his things, but uh, they've there's this term that's come up called PewDiePie, which is like <laughs> indie games that are really fucking weird and frustrating that were mm-hmm. designed basically for people like PewDiePie to play and do videos of. Um, whether or not that's actually what they were designed for, you know, who cares? It's uh, it's like a derogatory term that's been applied to a bunch of new stuff lately. I, I don't know. Games take enough work to make yeah. that I can't imagine you making a game just to, like, attract one particular person. Well, I he's mean, he's big enough that if you attract him, you're probably going to well, get a lot sure. of sales out of it. Well, sure, but it's so much work. Like, yeah. people who are making indie games, yeah, they're not yeah, making yeah. them because they're like, oh, I'm going to make so oh, much money. PewDiePie is going to play my game and it's going to blow up. I'm going to make tens of dollars. <laughs> I just I just sunk my entire life savings into this project. We'll cross our fingers that PewDiePie plays. Otherwise, I'm yeah. fucked. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good business model. I recommend all of you uh, listeners out there go and do that immediately. Yeah, so I am bred though. I watched some let's plays of it. It's it's humorous. It looks like if it if they do some fun things with it, it could end up being kind of an Octodadish, like funny. You know, kind of, Octodad is really. It's got like a great atmosphere to I it. I played the demo of Octodad, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Cool." Played the demo. Don't need to do any more of that. Yeah, I mean, I didn't play it, but it was really it was one that was fun to watch people play. I mean, I watch a lot of let's plays and. Right. And that was one that I actually watched all the way through someone's Let's Play, and that's kind of rare. You know, you watch the first five or ten videos, yeah. and then it kind of gets a little tedious or whatever, so. I've actually been watching pretty much all the JonTron reviews. Oh, yeah. Which... Well, I mean, I, I'm like that with uh, uh, um, 
the what is it the guy who does the really insulting Total biscuit no well yeah i watch everything he puts out just because he's a fucking pc reviewer and you know good but um no the the guy zero punctuation oh, yahtzee crow yeah. show i haven't a, watched his stuff for a while uh it's been it it seems like it's not been quite as um clever lately as it, it you know was in the past but that just might be a me having gotten used to a shtick kind of thing you know yeah seems like a good time to start talking about our subject yeah so moving into roguelikes here uh i think you have one specifically that you want to talk about but i thought maybe we'd start with like a little discussion about what roguelikes are yeah i think that that term's getting thrown around a ton Uh especially given um it's it's a popular indie model yeah yeah. Um, well, you've brought up that you think it's basically just a way for uh, low budget, lower budget titles to have lots of content, right? Well, well, not just that, but it's a way to have a continuous gaming experience that's not restricted by writing. So, yeah. you know, like if you want to have a 30 hour gameplay experience, but you don't have 30 hours worth of story or dialogue ideas to do, mm-hmm. then you can do... Um, then you can do a roguelike, and um, the cats are attacking my microphone. You Attack can do a cats. roguelike, and and you can do that. You can just iterate on gameplay and not have to worry too much about the other stuff around it. So I think that's one reason we we see a lot of that in indie games. Um, but before we get into that, like, what what do you think of when you see hear roguelike? What is the qualifiers well, for you? Well, I mean, basically when I. When I hear roguelike, the first thing I always think about are, I mean, obviously there's the historical meaning, like the game rogue that was, right. I guess... Uh, Should be called NetHack-like, really. Well, so there are different things um, from a historical context, but regardless, when I actually think about a rogue-like game, though, I think NetHack. Um, yeah. You know, I, I agree that the two have are virtually synonymous in my mind whether or not they actually are um and you know basically what that comes down to is you know some a game where you have some measure of control over the the player element at Mm -hmm. the very beginning and then you're thrown into a you know randomly generated space that has a bunch of elements that are reused but that have different um, attributes on each playthrough, right? So mm-hmm. and permadeath, and permadeath, right? Permadeath, yeah. I think, is is the big one. I, I I would say the three combined to me are what make a true roguelike game. You can have, you know, permadeath to me is with like like Diablo, for example, right? You know, Diablo's got permadeath, got permadeath option, but I don't really think that makes Diablo a roguelike. You know, um, the loot element of that might to some extent and maybe the randomized uh champion monsters well, i think th- that's a good point though like diablo has all of those elements but maybe one of the things that makes something a roguelike is the playthrough time like how long does it take to play through to beat the game yeah like th- for one playthrough mm-hmm. but you're gonna have to go through you know 10 or tw- you-, you have to get good at the game and then you have to be lucky to finish yeah. your playthrough well i don't know i think the original diablo was probably a much closer to form roguelike than the more recent ones and i, I think that randomized dungeon element is pretty key you know um mm. or if it's not a dungeon that that randomized you know procedurally generated space is i think kind of important 
So another, you know, something that's coming up that, you know, we could have that discussion about might be uh, No Man's Sky with its fully procedurally generated universe, right? Right. Um, it's shared. It's presumably the same universe uh, every time you start a new person, but it's still it's still procedurally created. And right. It's 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 um it's continual. I mean, it's all based on the same seed, which yeah, is yeah. What's pre- what's generated around you is based on your location mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. what you're looking at. So it's actually um it's it's different because it's not random it's procedurally generated but it's not randomized yeah and i guess this this all points to right so i'm really stressing the the physical space in which the game takes place as being the the procedural generation element of that as being really key to the roguelike but that's a personal distinction i'm not i don't really know that there's beyond the first three that i kind of said you know the and that you brought up too, the, the permadeath, the random attributes to things in the game, and then a, um, a little bit of player control at the very yeah. beginning to set up their progression through it. To me, that's really what makes it a roguelike, you know? And then after that, it's all kind of, are you closer to rogue or further away right. at that it, point? Because I, I think earlier we're, I was mentioning that under these constraints, like you could consider Minecraft a yeah, roguelike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think this is just the the kind of thing that happens when you try to nail down a genre. Mm-hmm. Like, so this is why you'll get stuff that's more. Yeah. Well, and it was funny. You said Minecraft and I just jumped all over that. I was like, no, no, Minecraft's not a roguelike, but with the stress I just placed on level creation, level creation, there's yeah. the hardcore mode. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, it's, I, I think for me, the one that really takes Minecraft away from that is the, the lack of random item elements, you know? Yeah. And I think, I, I think you're right about that. I, I think it takes it from being a roguelike at that point. It still has those rogue elements, but I don't know that I could apply the term to it in good faith anymore. Although, you know, these boundaries so vague. Right. Um, so for a while, I always considered something um, would be roguelike uh, if it had RPG elements. Mm-hmm. So rogue and NetHack are both RPGs. Um, and... Uh, to, I always kind of group Dwarf Fortress into the roguelike category. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it has some some real roguelike. It's more in the Minecraft space than. I don't know. Dwarf Fortress is a real special bird, man. It's it's, it's hard special. for me to have conversations about Dwarf Fortress and compare it to other games because when you do that, I think it highlights a single element of Dwarf Fortress. But Dwarf Fortress is all about the way all of these elements interact. Yeah. And that's the thing is, yeah, I would agree that it, Dwarf Fortress definitely, to me, falls into a roguelike space. But it also falls into like an RTS space and a SimCity space. And, yeah. you know, it's got so <clears throat> many different systems um, bundled in right. that it's it's hard for me to... We'll just have to have a Dwarf Fortress talk one day. Yeah, I need to get on playing that more. Yeah, ever. I've played it like twice. Oh, okay. All right. It just melted my computer the first time I played it. Oh, really? It. It was, it, That's I funny. was playing it on an old laptop mm-hmm. within a VM, in a Windows VM. Well, I thought it was like NetHack, where it was, you know, NetHack is traditionally kind of played command line well command line it's ascii art yeah yeah and it can't i mean dwarf fortress can be played that way and i've played it that way without any trouble once you know the game it's 
not hard to do. Well, I mistook the the uh, primitive aspect of the graphics for how like an era of computing. So I was like, oh uh, yeah, okay. my old laptop. I'll just throw an IBM and play yeah, it. And, yeah, yeah. And it was like, no, no, stop. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing to me? Why are you simulating the blood, like the veins of people's arteries? Right. Like, that's unnecessary simulation. No, no, it's totally necessary. Don't let anyone tell you different. Yeah. So yeah. you you told me you had some roguelikes you were going to mention that I haven't heard of. Oh, oh, yeah. So played. in prep for this, uh, I went and did a, a little backtracking through my roguelike um, catalog. The, the ones that pop into my head nowadays when I think about it are, you know, obviously FTL has a lot of, is pretty Ooh, solidly yeah, a roguelike. Um, Dungeons of Dreadmore is, I think, probably in the indie scene, a pretty heavy hitter on that element. Um, there was another one I mentioned that starts, Ziggurat is uh, one that's pretty big right now that I actually haven't had the chance to play. And then there's one that I, I didn't look up, but it's like Ick Vandernacht or something. And then I mentioned to you that never even made it out of alpha, I guess, mm-hmm. but uh, is phenomenal and ridiculous. That's one of these games where the easiest way to level up is to go like early on is to dual wield bananas and then beat townspeople to death with them. <laughs> and it like super levels your agility so you can just run through the rest of the game. It's just a, a sort of a quintessential uh, um, ridiculous rpg in that sense um just as a side note if i need to look anything up for probably in the next five minutes it's not going to happen cat on a laptop a cat on my laptop now. yeah it's a it's a constant problem in this space uh some other ones i mean there's a ton of stuff uh there was one i was playing just recently that i cannot remember the name of that was okay so i guess that's a totally pointless thing to bring up but yeah so, so those are the ones that pop into my head at, at this point you know yeah um I mean, more recently, both of us have been playing Binding of Isaac. And oh, well, yeah, I guess that's, and, and those two, obviously. So, I mean, let's let's talk about Binding of Isaac, because that's, that's something we both really like. Um, it's also huge on the YouTube's scene at this point. Yeah, it's definitely one of the more popular indie games out right now. Yeah. Um, and deservedly so, I think. It's a, it's a solid game. Um, I, I it's very tightly done. I'd mentioned something about um, roguelikes are a supplement for lack of writing, but I think Binding of Isaac has an amazing story, and the presentation of that story is really great. It has a... So Binding of Isaac's story element is interesting because it's not a traditional linear narrative, really. It's sort of a a context of all of the playable characters and all of the unlocks and Mm -hmm. all of the cutscenes and the way the different playable characters resolve the endings. And it's sort of this broader, um, I guess, narrative space or something that is, it's just cool to watch get filled out in that way. Yeah. Because it's told by virtue of you, you know, making some assumptions about the space. So my assumption is that everything that I, all of the enemies Isaac faces in the whole game are just the abandoned fetuses of, of other children that his mom has killed. Um, that given how many enemies there are though, that's a pretty, she's prolific. That's my, I just, (laughs) you know, there's pretty dark, there's poop running around. So in my head, it's not like it takes place in the real world. So I just assume she's got a lot of abandoned, abandoned fetuses. 
so that really she's like, like pitting against I each really other. I really like the theme of that game, but it's really hard to explain to someone who just walks in. Uh, no, I, I now I've got this vision of like a blood sport style. Oh god, this is horrible. Uh, so like <laughs> I, I think we've talked about this phenomenon where I, I'm playing Binding of Isaac. My wife walks in and she's like, "What are you playing?" I'm like Binding of Isaac, and she goes, "Is that poo on the screen?" <laughs> yeah. Is he naked? Yeah. Is he crying on everything? Like, yeah. Do you do you have any more questions? Like, this is a really hard game. <laughs> if you could let me focus, I'd yeah. really appreciate that. I need to watch this naked child cry all over the poop. <laughs> or like get it unlocked. And she's I actually like, need to force this naked child to cry all over the poop. Well, when Kay was watching the other day, I got the unlock number one, where you just pee on everything. <laughs> That's the other thing that the unlocks in that game. They're themed very amusingly. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, the so the the progression of power ups are very interesting thing. I, th- I think we had mentioned this. Um, I don't know if it was on podcast or not, but how different interactions can be positive or negative. Yeah. Um, for your different for the different power ups that you can find. I'd mentioned I dislike the global passives, not giving you a description. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's there's roguelikes in general uh, binding of isaac has this problem but roguelikes in general have an issue i think uh particularly the truer they are to the randomized attributes Mm -hmm. component of potentially leaving the player in the dark to a a degree that's not helpful right Mm -hmm. so so one of the really interesting things about the roguelike genre and um you know binding of isaac is there's a real process of uh, natural learning or exploratory. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you make a mistake and it teaches you, oh, don't do that, right? right? right. And, uh, you know, sort of the old, you know, if you put your hand on something hot, it's going to burn. You don't know that right. the first time. So that's sort of how you learn these things. And, and roguelikes have a real element of that. But the risk is the more random they get or the more obscure they get in the hopes of achieving that that sort of tone they can just get really frustrating. Right. And uh, I had this problem with Binding of Isaac 2 where something will say, you know, Guppy's paw, and you're just left to sort of go, okay, well, maybe something happens, but if you don't see anything obvious on the screen change, no yeah, you know, okay. And then you pick up another item, and maybe that, that first one triggers or something, but now you don't really know. Is it the first item? Is it the second item? I don't know what I right. got. I don't know what it does. And I think that's problematic. You, in my opinion, once the player has done that thing, mm-hmm. you should let them go back and look, you know? Well, that's one thing about Risk of Rain I like, is every item that you pick up, it tells you what it does. Yeah, yeah. And and so if it's the first time seeing an item, you're just like, well, I'll just pick it up. Sure, what the hell? Let's see um, what it does. One element of roguelikes, I think, that differentiates between what we were talking about with Diablo or Minecraft maybe being roguelike is this sense of you don't want to explore every nook and cranny. You need to just, you just need to get through. They are scary, right? Yeah, it's like in the latter stages of Binding of Isaac, you're just like, I need to get to the boss room. Like I'm done searching everything. They they should, they play very tight. You are... You know, NetHack's a great example of this. We did that group play, you remember, a couple of weeks ago. And it was a hoot because I don't think we made it off the first floor in the first two or three games. Like, oh, there's an... Oh, and I'm dead. 
turns out you need to not do any of the things you just did. Or like we kicked a well or something and yeah. it ki- the well killed The well us. killed. No, I uh, I kicked a sink and I think the sink uh broke and tried and murdered me with a slime or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I kicked it a bunch and a slime came out of the drain and killed me. Yeah. So they they play they're they're scary. There's this eminent threat of death at all times in a properly paced roguelike. Yeah, I um, think that's I think that's a good. And well, Risk of Rain's a little different though because it's not an eminent threat of death. It's like the the more time you take, the more the the more waves of enemy you're gonna well, have a hard time overcoming the waves of enemies that are coming. I think in group play. That's definitely true, but like when I when before you and I started playing together, I played around on normal, mm-hmm. and it was fucking hard. Normal like, is absurdly hard. Yeah, I got I got spanked all over the place. Um, so, I, you know, I I think it really uh, depends on. Uh, we're the gonna strat- have a we're, we're gonna have to talk about the strategy for that. But the strategy I read is, you beeline towards the teleporter you hit yeah. it as soon as possible and then you don't die and then you leave the level like your your goal in the early game is to level up and just like fuck chests fuck money just get the hell out of there fuck chests get money all right uh we're gonna have a pause to dispose of cats real quick don't say like that just sounds <laughs> sounds so morbid i'm murdering them <laughs> They're so cute. If only they were just still. And... If, if they were only immobile and silent. They are silent. Oh, shit. He knows how to open the door. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. I may or may not edit that out. We'll yeah. see. So Nathaniel locked the cats in the the uh, bedroom. But... Let's be honest, though. There's no such thing as locking a cat anywhere. Yeah, they're... I can hear them attempting to escape now. <laughs> oh, man. If only we had that uh, that dinosaur trainer from uh, Jurassic Park. What what is it? The I have no idea. Oh, uh, there's a guy Jeff who. Jeff Goldblum. No, no. There's like a guy who only had one job. He's like the dinosaur wrangler or something oh. like that in the credits. It's pretty funny. Oh, so we should give a brief description of Risk of Rain because we've been talking about it a lot. Uh, Risk of Rain. It's an indie game. I think it was Kickstarter. I have no idea. I know um, nothing about it other than the hour that we spent playing it. Uh, it's a uh, roguelike type game. The plot is that you are the driver of this uh, space train that gets crashed onto this alien planet, and you have to find your way back to your tra- space train and get off the planet. Um, but some some nefarious entity is sending enemies at you, and the longer you're on the planet, the the easier it is for him to send harder and more enemies at you. Um, so you're trying to get off, and you're finding all of these artifacts that will assist you in fighting. Um, and it's a it's a tough game. It has a but it has some stuff I really like. Which each each char- there's a lot of characters. I think there's probably like 14 characters or something. Mm-hmm. 12 or 14. Yeah, there there were a bunch. Yeah, and um, each character has a completely different play style and different abilities. Uh, which really mixes it up. Like, I, I probably played a good four hours of Commando, and which is the starting guy. Yeah, I found the Commando interesting, but a little a little bland. So the thing about the Commando is, you're right, he's a little bland, but that's what you need when you start this game. Yeah. Uh, 
You need something that just lets but you. But after the, you play the other character, the role is nice. His combat role is pretty nice. Right. Uh, um, it's. Uh, did you mention sort of the style of the game, like the graphical style? It's yeah, sort of this two D pixel art it's thing. Two D pixel art kind of side scroller, scroller platformer thing. Yeah. Um, it kind. It reminds me a lot of the old, um, uh, like Donkey Kong. You know, with the ropes hanging down everywhere. It reminds me of Metroid a lot. Yeah, I'm it's, thinking more of the old like ladder climbers though. Sure. From way back in the day. That I just the way the maps end up looking. Yeah. Very yeah. pretty. I mean the, the art style is really, really cool. Well it, it just reminds me of, of Metroid a lot, especially mm-hmm. single player because you're on this alien planet and everything's yeah. trying to kill yeah. you and you just wanna leave. You just um, you just wanna go. But one thing uh, you notice playing Risk of Rain single player is uh, especially as you unlock characters, it's just hey, these these characters are, would have great synergies, mm-hmm. and it has a co-op mode, which is, it's a ton of fun. The co-op was... So, so Risk of Rain, it's kind of a roguelike with no RPG elements, except I guess some degree except of... for the inven- leveling up part. Well, yeah, but you don't have any stats, do you? I mean, you have health. Health and damage. Okay, but our health and da- so just health damage and raw and raw level number is enough to call you an RPG at that point. Like, uh, I you mean, know, that I was just curious because other, you know, to me those aren't really RPG elements. Shooters have them, I guess. You know, I guess they are historically probably pulled into shooters from rpgs yeah i don't know if we have time today to get into what it's an rpg discussion well i Um, I only bring it up because i was about to ask you know what's the to what degree could you strip rpg stuff out of a roguelike you know and and, binding of isaac has no rpg well yeah it's it's, it's very it's got more than this it's got separate stats for damage defense tears you know all that stuff you're defining rpg as like stats on oh, paper dude dude come uh, on stats on a paper that's all really all games are role-playing games is that, really what true. it comes down to stats on paper bro that's really that's where it all comes it's from it's either hidden or it's not yeah you, you it's just a matter of whether or not the player can manipulate them yeah um but the progression in this is it's a level based um the difficulty scales with time so in the beginning of the game you have a real kind of hurry up get out of here mentality yeah i mean uh, that that's... if you're playing it if you're playing it to strategy when you first get there and you're just kind of dicking around you're like oh this is just... i guess the other big roguelike though that we both have to pull from is what uh in common would be um either ftl or or uh rogue legacy rogue legacy or as i often spell it rouge legacy and ftl also uses that time element it's based off of the nodes that you move to Oh, but there's yeah. that constant pressure of time. You can't linger. Right. Oh, so <laughs> the cats just opened the door. Yeah, well. Um, it kept them at bay for a while. The, um, yeah, the not lingering thing with FTL. I actually didn't really, like, I didn't get into FTL. Oh, I love FTL. I think it's one of the, the, one of the better games I've ever played. Um, I thought it was good. I just, I just didn't get into it. Um, it's definitely, it's a longer form roguelike as far as they go like you were saying that you think an element is is a short playthrough time and uh ftl on a hard you know a hard good game can last two or three hours um which isn't you know it's not a 40 hour playthrough for sure but it's definitely a little more substantive than uh 
Binding than of Isaac or... say Binding of Isaac or um, Rogue Legacy or uh, Rogue Legacy. You know, yeah. Rogue Legacy playthroughs can be a minute long. Well, one thing I've noticed though, as opposed to NetHack, uh, some of the newer roguelike games have a sense of progression to them. Yeah. So as you go through play playthroughs, you unlock characters, mm-hmm. you unlock other items that you can pick up. And I think that's a pretty solid development. Rogue um, Legacy did it really well. Right. And, you know, Risk of Rain appears to be doing it well with the character unlocks. Binding of Isaac, I think, is the the best example of that that I've seen. Binding of Isaac is definitely one of... If you're listening to this and you're thinking of getting a game from this uh, conversation, I would definitely re- recommend Binding of Isaac over yeah, anything. I agree. Uh, I would... FTL, actually, I would, I would probably say FTL is a, a solid tie there with Binding of Isaac. I, I think our group recommendation is Binding of Isaac. My personal recommendation would be Risk of Rain. Yeah, I've, I like Risk of Rain. I I found it not terribly pleasant to play solo, though. And, uh, you know, as a group activity, it was awesome. Yeah. But as a solo activity, I just didn't I didn't really see it. Well, good co-op games are hard to come by, though. Yeah, so and I think, that's, a, that's a good point. I think, like, that alone gives it a recommendation. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what other elements of roguelikes do you think of when you think of the term? I mean, we've talked, I think, about the level component. We've mm-hmm. talked sort of about this progression mechanic. I think there's a big kind of gambling element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of them have this kind of, you know, t- do you want to take a chance? Do you want to push your luck? Like, mm-hmm. do you want to use one of your two keys to go into the storeroom? Here's a wishing well. It could kill you. It could give you a stat boost. Right, and in yeah. Risk of Rain, there's a lot of, there are these uh, shrines set up where you can... Mm-hmm. Uh, gamble money you can gamble money or health to activate the shrine and there's a there's a some amount chance that it will drop an item yeah yeah and that that's a really good point that that gambling aspect i mean isaac has that literally has slot machines in it yeah uh for coins health stuff like that isaac has it everywhere it has those devils that will take your hearts Uh, it's got the deals with the devil they not even that like the there's the little guy with the heart sign yeah yeah that you can just you can give him some amount of cash and eventually something will pop out yeah um there's the the pills the pills are a great example i think the pills are probably binding of isaac's one of its most compelling item drops uh in binding of isaac there are droppable items that are pills uh, and you don't know what their effect is until you activate them. If on the same playthrough you find the same colored pill, which is very rare to actually... It's actually... Pre- I've seen it happen a lot. It's it's relatively uncommon. I, I think one of the things about Binding of Isaac that I think it's done better than a lot of roguelikes, uh, Dungeons of Dreadmore would be another one that's really focused on this, is, is synergies over time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, in Dungeons of Dreadmore, just as a little background... The way that game handles the the character progression element is that you choose uh, a number of skill trees at the beginning of the game that have that have traits that you unlock as you level them, and then every level you get to unlock one of these traits. I need to, I'm going to look up this game real quick. It sounds uh, interesting. It's it's pretty good. Um, and you can dread more. Yeah, it's got crafting elements and a bunch of elements to it, and you can select your skills so that over time they synergize really well and make a more powerful character. So looking at Binding of Isaac, I had a run where I actually, oh, yeah. I'm going to call it a pill generation run. I had a random pill generator item. I had whatever, there's an item I think that increases the amount of pills that drop. Like they increase 
so that your chance of finding a pill in a room is 10% higher. And then I had a bunch of luck. So pills were just like everywhere. I constantly had pills. Oh, I see. And, uh, oh, this is like five bucks. Yeah, it's dirt cheap. It's a good game. It's really solid. Uh, it's got a bunch of DLC now. Uh, Dungeons and Dreadmore. It's got a uh, Realm oh. of the Mad Diggle God. Do you and, have this game? Yeah, oh. I can show it to you. It's it's a it's a it's a fun time. Um, paced a little weird, and it has some unnecessary clicking that I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, you know, I uh, having inventory management in that game kind of sucks. Yeah. Is uh, as is often the case with RPGs. Well, yeah. You get bogged down and you know talk about Planescape. That's one of its major weaknesses. Is Ugh. inventory management's just a Bitch. I'm looking forward to complaining about that. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm just going to be like, oh, you're so right. Well, that was really creepy sounding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> uh, so th- that element, though, of sort of the way you progress being tied to synergy is really interesting. And the, one of the reasons I think it's interesting is it, it gives you agency that's still risk-related. So, like... Mm-hmm. Early on in that Binding of Isaac playthrough, I was like, ooh, I have this pill generator, and I've got some luck. Maybe I can make a pill generation run here, right? Mm. And I specifically targeted, so when I saw a pickup, I'd be like, okay, is that going to help my pill generation? Interesting. And and I did that on purpose, and it's still risky. Like, I could not get the right items for that to happen. But that's almost like a Magic the Gathering kind of thing, right? Where you're like, well, I'm just going to do this playthrough this way and hope that my card draw works out in my favor right. you know and it, it's like you have control to some extent you're making intelligent decisions but you're you're making sort of the best guess you can given what's in front of you right. and then you have to watch that decision play out and adjust or not and i think that builds on the gambling aspect as yeah well. well and that's why you know dungeons of dreadmore again is a, a good example where you you set off with this sort of preset idea and then you adjust it, what things you're leveling based off what you find. And I think that growth mechanic in, in roguelikes, particularly nowadays, is, is you know, uh, definitely a real thing. Risk of Rain has similar stuff. Yeah. So um, we've got to get going. We have some important Risk of Rain to play. Yeah, yeah. Very important. Uh, Co-optional. But, but before we go, uh, what do you think that you'll be playing? Probably probably differ a lot from what you'll actually be playing. Eh, no, I, I think this will probably be the case. I'll probably be playing some Bastion, although I think I've peaked out on my Bastion run. Uh, I'll probably be playing... We were talking about... Oh, I might get Ziggurat and give that a run. Mm-hmm. I've watched some, some Let's Plays of it, but I don't know very much about it. So it's apparently really good. Uh, a couple of people have said it's one of the best roguelikes out right now. Mm. Um, I've also been thinking 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 about buying uh beyond earth that civ five oh, really? are I, you a civ fan i love civ 2 and uh civ 4 uh, the warlords expansion for mm-hmm. civ 4 both of those are games i've played the hell out of i'm not a huge fan of civ 5 but i think the i loved the alpha centauri expansion <laughs> on 2 and i think this might be it might be enough to get me to grind out a Civ Five game or two. Um, I'm probably gonna. I'll probably check out Planescape Torment. Uh, we'll see how how into that I get. Uh, I'll probably be playing a lot more Risk of Rain. Uh, I I might check out. I have no mouth in my sc- and I must scream. Yeah, I'd be really interested to hear what you think of that one. Uh, I bought that mainly because it was two bucks and it's one of my favorite short stories. Mm-hmm. Um, two bucks yeah i mean if it gives you an hour of entertainment you've won 
yeah if i have it in my library i'm like oh yeah i have that game <laughs> yeah I, that's that's worth two bucks oh yeah um I think it also came with the short story, so it was kind of like also buying a copy of the short story. Oh, well, there you go. That's cool. Um, and uh, I don't know. It, I guess we'll probably not do another podcast before Christmas. I would imagine not. So, uh, you know, Christmas will hit, and we'll see what kind of DS. No. Oh, that's true. We're going to have to do a Zelda special. Uh, are you getting Zelda for Christmas? No, I'm just saying in general. Are you getting me Zelda for Christmas? No. When does that come out, though? <laughs> Oh, you mean Majora's Mask? Yeah. Oh, um, I thought you were talking about the other, the nice kick there. Thanks. Uh, um, <laughs> the the one that's on DS right now. Uh, I don't know when Majora's Mask comes out. I think it's sometime next mid next year. We should get the DS Zelda though, and uh, and do a little bit of a Zelda. I do a Zelda. Yeah, because um, uh, I, I there's a couple of those that I really love. The Super Nintendo one, the uh, Link to the Past or whatever. Uh, if I don't get Bravely Default for Christmas, then I'm gonna buy it next week. Oh, okay. So. Oh yeah, I guess we could do we could do a whole JRPG sesh sometime. Yeah. I don't know. We'll talk that out. Anyway, guys, uh, thanks for listening. And if you have any suggestions on stuff for us to play, send it our way. I'm Nathaniel. I'm Matt. Later.